0: Welcome to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and today we're actually going to veer away from talking about the Bulls and the NBA. That sounds a little weird, but after my discussion with Katie Duffy last week, we talked a little bit about the difference between the NBA bubble and what the WNBA is doing at the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. And I wanted to dive a little bit more into that. So I thought I'd bring on somebody who covers the league to talk about what we can expect for the WNBA and for our local team, the Chicago Sky. So I have with me Madeline Kenny, who covers the Sky for the Chicago Sun-Times to talk about that. So let's bring her on. Madeline, how you doing? Thanks for coming on.
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Uh, You know, all things considered, I can't complain. Um, (laughs) It's... We're all adjusting to the new normal. How are you adjusting lately?
1: Um, pretty well. I... Before everything kind of blew up and everything shut down, I went back home to Nebraska to visit my family and I've basically been here ever since, so it's been quite the adjustment living back home with your parents and my uh, eight siblings, but I'm managing.
0: (laughs) Wow. So, how have you not gone mad?
1: Uh, I've definitely reached my breaking point a few times, but it's no, it's been good. It's it's like all my siblings and I are getting older and so like relationships change where your younger siblings they still get underneath my skin a little bit here and there, but um it's just kind of fun to all be back around together. I haven't been around my family this much since like college, so it's really nice to kind of, you know, chat with everybody, create some fun memories. I'm sure we're all gonna look back at this and laugh someday. Um, Not in the moment now, but maybe someday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you know what? It's good that you're taking a, a positive outlook on something like that. Because at the end of the day, I, I, family is is always important. Um, So I, I know we were talking offline a little bit, yeah. And you mentioned you've you've been covering now the the sky. You're going to be entering your second season, correct? Correct. Yes. So I want to, you know, definitely pick your brain about the Chicago sky as we head into this start of the season. But before I do. Um, I wanted to get some insight from you on just the WNBA season at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Can you share with our listeners what the season is going to look like or what they're hoping it's going to look like with, you know, with the virus? It, things can change at, at any minute. Um, you know, We keep hearing about the NBA's bubble at Disney World. But really, what's the, what are some of the key differences between that NBA setup and what the WNBA is doing at IMG?
1: a very set up in the sense that they're trying to kind of limit the ins and outs of who can go in the bubble who can go out of the bubble how many staff members each team can bring um what is the protocol for when if a player tests positive um this week or last week excuse me sydney colson this guy's backup point guard she tested positive for the coronavirus and so she is self-isolating right now and she won't be able to join the team in florida uh ne- early next month until she has two negative test results so the bubble itself will probably look very similar to the NBA. Um, obviously the WNBA will have less staff personnel there than the NBA just because they already have smaller front offices and coaching staffs and stuff. Um, but I think, and then as far as the season, you know, it, it's definitely going to be an abbreviated season, only 22 games with a regular playoff format. The biggest difference is that the WNBA has a hard cutoff where they have to be done with their season by October 31st, according to collective bargaining agreement, because a lot of these players, which some people don't know, go and play overseas to supplement their income. So although the CBA that was just signed earlier this year has been a big step for women's sports and the WNBA and increasing player salaries, a lot of these players get a bulk of their income playing overseas.
0: Um, so the, the spike in coronavirus cases in Florida, I think it's got a lot of us on edge. And you could certainly sense uneasiness with a lot of athletes heading down there right now in the thick of things. Have you heard specifically from any players on the sky about maybe reservations they might have from a health perspective going down there?
1: There was some uncertainty in the season was put on hold because of the coronavirus. There has been hesitations with players. John Tilt Lavender, for example, said, I think it was back in May, she told me that she didn't even think it was going to be possible for them to have a season. Just given, you know, the uncertainty of everything, there's not a vaccine. Um, At some point, Gabby Williams said, you know, like, what is the risk when you're going down there? What is worth it? You know, Um, there is a lot of hesitation, but a lot of players also have kind of see this as an opportunity to really up their social justice initiative and use this platform you know with everybody isolated in one location having a season take place at one venue as an opportunity to really band together and bring awareness to the social and racial injustices in the country
0: you had an article a few days ago that painted a picture of, of you know that uncertainty from from the coronavirus perspective and um, in it, I know you spoke with several people with the team, including Gabby Williams uh, and Ann Crosby, who heads up basketball operations and is also the strength and conditioning coach. Um, what really struck me, though, was the concern over conditioning. You know, both Williams and Crosby raised those points. And I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Gabby Williams said that this has been the longest layoff that she's had in her, her life, you know, with, with basketball. Do you know of any ways where the Sky are are trying to get their players safely into game shape, or is it really, like, impossible to to offset that without the risk of injury?
1: I mean, the risk of injury is always going to be there. It's just a matter of, like, limiting it. And that's what kind of Ann Crosby and the Sky's trainer, that's their job is trying to figure out what's the best way to ease these players into the season. They're talking a lot about workload and, you know, load management was the buzzword of early in the season, NBA season last year with Kawhi Leonard, so they're kind of looking at that. On if you're gonna, if this player like Courtney VanderSloot, she's gonna play, let's say, just for this, figuratively speaking, she's gonna play 38 minutes or something like that. They're going to try to work her out and have her um, numbers fit within that like range, if that makes sense. So they're mm-hmm. easing it into it. Um, and the biggest reason, because everyone's like, well, why w-? you know, Gabby Williams hadn't shot until last week. On an indoor basketball court since March, and people read that and they're like, "You're a professional basketball player. How have you not shot on an indoor court?" But it just shows the drastic difference between the NBA and the WNBA, where, you know, players don't have these facilities in the WNBA at their fingertips. Um, mm-hmm. And the biggest reason why this has been such a big gap between seasons um, is because, like I said before, these players are so used to just going from, you know, the WNBA to their overseas team and then back. And it's just like, it's nonstop. And so a lot of players do talk about that wear and tear on their body. And so load management isn't anything new in the WNBA. It's something that like Ali Quigley has touched on in the past about how um, it's something that they've been dealing with for a long time. It's just, they didn't really ever give it a term, Um, but that's gonna be really important and key, especially early on with entering training camp is, you know, how players are getting themselves ready. Cause it's not that they're not in like cardio shape. Like they've all been running, they've all been riding bikes. They've all been working on their handles. It's more so just, you know, getting back into basketball shape.
0: Yeah. And, and there's always a difference between actual like physical shape and basketball shape. And I, I think what you brought up is, is actually very interesting too. And, and very telling, um, you know, with, with a lot of the guys in the NBA, you know, even with some of the facilities being shut down, there's players who are on the wealthier end of the spectrum who have these home gyms. And, you know, we saw it with the, the horse competition, right? With...
1: Yeah, that's a perfect
0: example. Yeah. Michael Conley's got this, like, super court and Allie Quigley's on her driveway. Um, So, I mean, like, there there's definitely that disparity too, right? When it comes to just the, the type of options you have and facilities you have to stay in game shape.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like... Allie Quigley was kind of joking around, but she said he had to, when they got back from Russia, um, her and Courtney Vandersloot, they actually ordered that basketball hoop at Target because they realized they weren't going to have a hoop for a long time. And so that just kind of shows, you know, the pay discrepancy there or disparities. And just, you know, it just really is very telling of how much these WNBA players sacrifice to play in the WNBA.
0: Mm-hmm. and I had a discussion last week with, with Katie Duffy. She was on the podcast, and we talked a little bit about the NBA bubble, and we, we talked about the WNBA situation, and, and she was telling me, like, even the way that they're handling bringing in players to it, I heard that or they have to pay for certain family members to come with them, and it what's the incentive there to have to pay for your own family to come down there with you when you're kind of putting – you know stuff on the line to play play a game
1: Mhm. and remember a lot of these players are separated from their families for six plus months a year so that was one silver lining in the delayed starts this season if we're trying to stay positive um but if you're not a veteran player you don't get a plus one so that veteran wow. is like five plus years in the league and so that's a lot of players and i was talking to gabby williams about this like she can't even bring her cat and I know that seems small, but that definitely takes a mental toll on you when you're, you just feel, you already feel so isolated when you're overseas playing in a environment where, or a place where you don't know the language maybe, or the culture is drastically different than what you're used to in the US. You already feel isolated there. And now you're here, and it's kind of that same sense of isolation. The WABA is going to have, and Crosby said, um, mental health representatives and like people there to kind of help athletes deal with this like those feelings and like make sure that they're they feel supported um but if you yeah they have to play they have to pay if they want you know um plus one or like families and stuff which is something that i'm not really sure the nba if that's the same with them you
0: you mentioned sydney colson testing positive for COVID 19 um and i want to ask has anybody else you know that you know have tested positive yet, player or staff, and have they conducted all their tests so far or is that still a work in progress?
1: So they're doing three rounds of coronavirus testing before they actually go down to Florida. So right now they're still go- going through those phases of testing. As of now, Sydney Coulson is the only current player who has tested positive um, from the Sky standpoint. and. Um, Stephanie Dolson did test positive. Her entire family actually had coronavirus, and her mother was actually hospitalized for a few days back in March. They've all fully recovered since. Um, but I was kind of, I don't want, surprise might not be the right word, but, you know, we'll just say surprise for this because I'm talking right now, but that Stephanie Dolson decided to play the season because she's been very outspoken about, like, you know, thank you to all the healthcare workers for all the sacrifices they've made. And she's really stressed the importance of wearing a face mask and so, and, you know, quarantining and social distancing and all of that stuff. But she's a very key part to this guy's success this season. um, Because I really do think that the sky have a really good chance at going really far in this abbreviated season because they already have that established chemistry. It's practically the same team as last season with just a few different additions who can only make the team better
0: Mm -hmm. and you know i was actually going to get to that i know you know they had a really solid season in 2019 and you know the the second round loss with the the buzzer beater was you know a heartbreaker but um i mean you know so with the changing you know climate right now you think that they're you know poised to still have a pretty good year in 2020
1: i really do yes um there are some questions about their roster just because it has not been finalized yet. But based off of the players that they have now, I think that they have, you know, with you have a veteran backcourt in Allie back Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot, um, Gabby Williams is going to play a more natural position at wing this season because this guy went out during free agency and got a backup point guard in Sydney Coulson. And even the player that they signed yesterday, Stella Johnson, she is able to play any of the guard positions. I'm sure that they're going to be trying to train her to be more of a Courtney Vandersloot backup, just in case Colson's not able to start the season with them. But I was told by somebody within the team that the hope is that Sydney Colson, once she gets two negative tests, she will rejoin them. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that based off of what we saw last season and um, looking at the roster right now, the biggest thing that the Sky can do or what they were doing with this offseason season is they're looking for growth with their younger players. So that's Gabby Williams and Diamond To Shield, and it's especially Diamond To Shield that we really need to see that big leap for this team to be um, successful. Because it, it is a well-rounded team with a lot of depth um, on the bench, but off the bench. But Diamond To Shield is going to be that key player this season that can take them from a good team to a championship-contending team.
0: Yeah, and I mean, she had a big second year. So you think she's poised for a big breakout
1: this year? I really do. I think if what she was able to do in the playoffs is indication of where her ceiling is or where she is able to go to. I mean, she has a lot of potential there. And we see, you know, flashes of her athleticism. It's out of this world. She has so much skill. Um, I think it's just more so about finding that consistency. And that's really hard for younger players to find early. It sometimes takes, you know, a few seasons to get totally comfortable. We know the confidence is there with Diamond. I don't know if you've ever talked to her or read, you know, watched videos of her or read any of her quotes. She's very confident in her abilities. And she has a right Mm -hmm. to be because she's an outstanding, phenomenal athlete.
0: Um, Aside from DeShields, is there anybody else that you think is poised to make a big jump this season on the sky?
1: That's a really good question. (laughs) Ruthie, the player that they drafted in the first round this the season, is going to fit in. I think that she is poised to have a really strong rookie season, given the players that she is surrounded with. I think her and Courtney VanderSloot in the pick and roll will be something worth watching. Um, but Wade has never – I mean, this is only his second year as a head coach, but he's never the type of coach, based off last year, that he's going to put a rookie in a position and push them, you know, to – take up all these minutes or push them in this position where they have to make an immediate impact. I don't think that's what they're looking for with her. I think they're looking for her to be a key player off the bench, but I don't think they're looking for her to be that, like have all that pressure that she needs to make an immediate impact this season. But I think she's definitely a player worth watching.
0: Before I let you go. Um, I know that there are, uh, there's some notable players around the WNBA that are opting out of the season. You know, a couple of names that we've seen, you know, John Jones, uh, uh Neku Ungung Mike, I've always screwed up that name. It every every time I try. Um and she's like one of the you know more respected people around the league. Do you expect any players though from the sky to sit out either due to the virus or in response to some of the uh racial injustice going on in the country?
1: I'm uh, I postulated and even Gabby Williams hinted that like they're all on the same page. They all have um you know, this one common goal where they know that they can't reach it alone, they can only reach it together. And there's been a lot of discussions about that. With that said, it's also been stressed that they will not look down or judge anyone who decides to opt out for help, either health reasons or um, to use this time to focus on um, social injustice initiatives or anything like that. I do think that there is a potential for a player or two to decide that, you know, they might opt out. One player in particular I haven't seen in any of the guy's in like the players' Instagrams. I follow all their Instagram stories. The only two players I haven't seen is Sydney Colson and John Tell Lavender. And obviously Colson has tested positive coronavirus, so that kind of explains it. But it'll be really interesting to see, you know, going forward what this roster will look like. But right now, it's still kind of all up in the air.
0: And, and you know what? Last question. What do you think is the ceiling for this team this year?
1: I have, you know what? You look back at last season and in the playoffs, you're like, oh man, if, you know, Courtney Van Andersleeve just took the foul, or, oh, they had a half time lead in that playoff game, the second round playoff game, you know, if they just were able to hold on to it, or because Stu and Dew made that shot at the end of the game you know like there's always like what if 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 this happened you know you can play that game all day um that was a strong team that really should have been in the semifinals based off their game they kind of just gave the game away at the end of it um i think that this team is poised for a deep playoff run especially if we see that jump that diamond Shields is expected to make this season
0: well and you know with that youth and the talent that they have in that backcourt this could be a year within a bridge season where you know maybe maybe they're in the hunt
1: mm-hmm. no they're in a win now mode especially with i mean courtney being and Alex like are so still young don't get me wrong but with some of these key players in their starting lineup kind of getting older they're definitely in that win now mode and they have that veteran talent that's kind of established and set where they're bringing in these younger players too and they're really meshing well and gelling well we saw that last season too
0: Well, Manny, I appreciate you coming on to talk about the WNBA's uh, situation for the start of their season and and previewing some of the sky. And, you know, hope to have you on again.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your
1: podcasts.